likes podcast over sons. Gonna have a wet dream tonight. So hot and steamy. Oh, Barry Cogan, of course. Flask alcohol, all of a sudden Eugene's brain just ejects out the back of my head. This will be shocking and piss off the fanboys. The throne of blood. You're gonna have this squeaky ass chair in a minute. I'm gonna throw it to Canton. I was gonna ask, did you? Uh, I, I saw that you uh, you shared Average Joe's episode with moi as the guest. Yeah. Oh, did you did you give it a listen yet? No, because today I was off. Uh, it's because I had to take the wife to a doctor's appointment in Canton. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So I, I listen to him at work. That's it. If I'm at home, I'm not listening to podcasts or, you know, generally, because I'm watching movies or something. Yeah. That's okay. purely when I'm working. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was fun. We just, it was funny. We had a, you'll, you'll listen to it, but we had a kind of a sort of agenda laid out and then it was just, it just ended up for the most part, just us BSing about movies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of well, like us. Oh, yeah. I told him that, oh, you'll have no problem wasting an hour and a half bullshitting movies. Especially knowing that he's a horror guy, too. It's like, you guys will just derail all over the place. It'll be fine. And we did. We yep. did. As expected. I, yep, I liked that. That was, that was a good time. Yeah, I'm supposed to be on next Sunday. Oh, are you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so it's a uh, movie freak heavy. Uh... Well, he set that up like a month ago or something. I don't know. Okay. And then he was like, haha, I'm having Eugene on this week. I was like, oh, that's sweet. Cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. And it was, um, what day isn't stressful, but it, yeah, it was, yeah. it was nice to just clear my brain, talk about movies, stuff that, especially that I liked, uh, a guy that appreciates the same type of stuff. And then, uh, watched a good movie then last night, which we will get into when we hit on recently watched. Cool. But so, am I right in seeing that Star Wars: Last Jedi comes out streaming in Blu-ray tomorrow? Uh, I think it comes out this week, sometime soon. Wow, it that just seems fast. Like, and maybe it's because it lasts in the theater for so long that it's like, oh, it's still in the theaters. Now it's on digital and Blu-ray. But, uh, actually, I'll tell you why it might be coming out so fast. They don't want to burn people out on Star Wars, and you got another Star Wars movie coming out in uh, two and a half months. months. Yeah. Yep. I still think that's odd that it's a it's a packed May already, and I think they should just every I like the every November or December, but whatever I do too. But I don't know. Maybe they just they maybe they're just testing the waters with this one, and I don't know. I, I, there are so many. I have so many curious questions about that movie. Oh, me too. Very very curious. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah. So you were up at up in Canton eating a katana and all that good stuff. Yes, I was. And nice. my wife came over with a cup of white rice and sat down, and I just looked at it and was like, "All them emotions right there in that nice little cup of rice." Just because of some movies, a movie we watched this week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting to yeah revisit that. And well, we'll <laughs> jumping ahead, jumping ahead. Yep. So, what's your idea of the middle section, or will we just I'll, I'll spring it on you. We'll just go from there. It might be a total flop and we'll just cut it out and just derail stuff, but it, okay. it's a work in progress. I thought maybe it's something that can be fun. I'm sure it'll take a few rounds to get it figured out, but I thought, what the heck? 
All right. So we'll workshop it. Second segment um, is a workshop. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested. Very interested. It's not that exciting, but I just no, thought, I, you know, me and my stupid little games we play to entertain ourselves. So maybe, maybe it'll be fun. Maybe not. Yeah. I was, oh, I, that ending of our last show, <laughs> I forgot how funny that was until hopefully it was funny for other people too. But my goodness, I was, oh, that was funny. Just hearing it again. And I'm like, oh, and those are, those are genuine laughs. Like I'm like beyond the point of no return. I can't control myself anymore. It's, I'm a wreck. It was tough to edit because um, I was crying. Well, you know, and, I, and then I, like I'd listen to a section. I'd be like, oh, I need to, you know, clean this up or tighten that up or whatever. And then I would go back and start over and then I'd have to listen to it again. And I, oh, just hilarious. I just, just giggling my ass off through the whole damn thing. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that was good times. I love when we can we get into that goofy mode to where we're still coherent <laughs> We're not completely belligerent, <laughs> and um, the well, planet's alive. Leave that to, to the audience to decide. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> we're now finally over 800 likes on our Facebook page. I mean, we're that? slowly but surely creeping up on a thousand. Yep, I like that a lot, and right. a good amount of them still seem to be from uh, India. What? We're popular we just, we, in Bollywood. We, we got our fans, I guess. That's, I'll, we'll take them wherever we can get them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem with that. That, and I get a lot of... Um, it, uh, I don't know what kosher way to say it. Like Muslim people, I want to say. A lot of Muhammad kind yeah. of names. Which is... All right. Mm. Cool. Whatevs. Welcome to the show. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody Hang somewhere on. is tuning in to hear a couple of idiots in Ohio drink some whiskey and talk about movies. Talking about movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, oh, by, I mean, I've got a lot of recently watched tonight. Okay, well, we'll try and get through the game. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to work. We'll, we'll just try it out. Maybe we'll just discuss it and not even actually try and play it, and then we'll hash it out later, but we'll see. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into... The Roulette, and Dive in the Ocean of Cinema, try and find those gems in the rough. In last episode, it was The Fifth Estate, up against Ravenous, and it's my turn to go first. Oh, The Fifth Estate. This fact-based drama recounts the early days of the controversial but revolutionary WikiLeaks website and the inevitable conflict it wrought. And I'm very interested, like I said last week, about this whole story. And learning more about it, and I don't know that I, I mean, I, I hate saying it that way because it makes it sound like I believe everything that happened in a Hollywood movie based on a true story. If you listen to this show, you know I'm skeptical about such things all the time. So just taking the movie as it is and assuming 90% of it is somewhat accurate because, you know, everybody's got to change the story so that they're the angel and everybody else is the demon and vice versa. I thought it was pretty good, and a lot of the... Like, I looked... Uh, again, doing research on Wikipedia. But I was looking into the story and the people while I was watching the movie, because I was like, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting, I'd go check it out. And a lot of what I found on Wikipedia backed it up. And considering the whole story, I think it's okay to use Wikipedia as a guide, considering they are WikiLeaks, and you have to take everything they say with a grain. Gotcha. So, um, anyway, I enjoyed the movie. I think it might be a smidge long, and again, 
we we talk about this all the time. We run into those things in a movie where you so clearly could edit out these little things and it would be totally fine to make the movie more streamlined that they had these little bits in where he, in his mind, he's picturing what WikiLeaks, the website looks like in cyberspace is I guess, guess the best way to describe it where a bunch of people sit at their desks and it's all completely CGI, not real. Um, there's no roof on the building. Like it's just totally fabricated dreamlike thing. And they keep coming back to it several times throughout the movie. And it's like right there, you probably could have lost like 10 minutes. Five ten minutes uh, yeah, on on this thing that mm. you did not need. I know it, it was trying to. I know what the point was. It was trying to explain to the layman what how the the WikiLeaks worked. I guess it tried to make it a give it a picture for people who don't quite understand how those the, you know the tech side of stuff works. So I guess that's fine. But for me, I was like, come on, you, you, right there, you could have lost some running time. Um, but it wasn't a. Uh, uh, deal breaker. I, I still enjoyed the movie. I thought it was very interesting. And this Julian Assange guy, I have no idea where to stand on him because a lot of the stuff that he is trying to do, I agree with. And then there's a, but there's also a line that you shouldn't cross and that's, you know, putting people's lives in danger. He's willing to do that willy nilly. Like it doesn't matter. This is the truth. Everybody needs to know the truth. And it's like, that's not really the way that humanity works. No. So it, it doesn't, uh, people need to know the truth, but you can like withhold a few names just so the people that are behind enemy lines don't get strung up and slaughtered, you know, like, come on, but not him. He's uh, anyway, he got kind of annoying towards the end and the whole performance from, um, Dr. Strange was a, a little odd because he's a British guy playing an Australian guy who's already got weird ticks. And I, I've never seen Julian Assange talk for, in person. So I don't know what the real guy is like. Maybe he's really like that. At any yeah. rate, I give the movie a passing thumbs up. I would say maybe keep it in the queue when you're in the mood for a kind of a political uh, thriller of this type that has to do with some espionage stuff. Yeah, that's it. Did it feel like a theatrical? Like it, it played theatrically? Did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, great cast. Big names. Daniel Brunel, I think is how you say his name. He was great in it. He's great in everything. Every time I see his name or his face, I'm like, yep, this, at least I'm going to get one good performance out of this. And I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's a good actor. I do, too. Okay, well, I'll keep that in the queue and... Uh, Be a fine wife movie. I was just going to say, that sounds like a good wife movie. Yes, it is. Ravenous. Always like, okay, Ravenous. Uh, from Quebec. Yeah, uh, okay. This probably won't take too long. Um... Walking Dead, uh, with, uh, French language and a lower budget and out pops Ravenous. There you go. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then all right. You could do worse. You could do much better, but you could certainly do worse. It's, it's, it, everything about it. I'm like, feel, uh, everything about it feels like another, I see why this is on Netflix. I see why I never heard about this until now, now that it's on Netflix. Uh, it's, the actors are good. Um, th- there is some really, really great effects sprinkled throughout just to keep you interested. Uh, the plot itself is, it's just standard issue zombie stuff. Uh, I, I kind of appreciated the fact that it seems, it seems like this, 
particular epidemic, like it had just started. So people were still trying to figure out what's going on and like, okay, how do we know for sure if they're a zombie? And they were also like, the zombies have a couple different quirks that you don't normally see in a zombie movie. Where, well, maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't know, like cheap writing, but it's like zombies would turn around and look at our, our cast of, of heroes on the run and they would kind of like just freeze and stand there. Like if we don't move, then we're good. And that sort of kind of worked. Uh, I guess every now and then there'd be a huge pile of, of uh, chairs. And I mean like a shrine of chairs in the middle of, I don't know, in the middle of the, of a field. I'm like, all right, that's different, I guess in a David Lynchian sort of weird, bizarro way. Uh, but, but okay, whatever. They never explained it. I, if they did, I, it was lost on me because I, I would sometimes tune out while watching this. So maybe in, maybe one of those French subtitles, uh, or English subtitles said, this is why the chairs are in the middle of the field, huzzah. But it's like the zombies all stand there and stare at, at this mountain of chairs. So it's means something. This means something. As Richard Dreyfus scratched away the mashed potatoes on the yeah, but anyway, there's a little girl in it, and as soon as the little and I'm talking like five years old or younger, little girl, I'm like, oh shit, like here we go, and she's in the whole movie, but she actually, you can tell she is acting and she is looking off camera at director that is telling her what to do. She, I'm not sure if she speaks at all. If she does, it's a couple words. But it's, I'm like, I, you're, you're acting. I can tell that you are a child actor, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, but it's still like, okay, I, you know, you're an actor. And what reminded me a lot of Walking Dead was the fact that all of our cast is kind of just normal people. None of them were like overly attractive or like, oh, here's your jock and here's your, yeah, you know, good looking blonde or whatever. There was like, Several really, really old ladies and a guy that didn't, like, he was kind of the unspoken hero, even though you could tell he didn't want to be. And he's not really, like, he didn't come across as a hero, but he was kind of forced into that role. Um, I'm spending way too much time on it. It was, <laughs> oh, it was okay. I just, right. if you, uh, French Canadian people running around the fields away from zombies and hiding in houses and mumbling to each other and life sucks whatever it was okay <laughs> worth one I mean, it was it was competent worth one watch but uh, one and done I hear you I'll keep it in the queue probably for October yeah the end does get genuinely uh, there's there's some scenes in the end that are legit gory cool that I'm like that seems like not CGI that seems like the real deal and I of course appreciate that um but yeah, watching the little five-year-old girl, I don't, spoiler, I guess, she walks away holding this big gun because the one, this someone dies and shakes the gun because she's on her own now. And, and I'm like, that just. That, that's uh, so cliche again. Why, I don't see why it's so hard to not, or to, why it's so hard to make an original zombie movie. Have it just off the top of my head. Have a, the zombie apocalypse going on and some people run to a military base because it's nearby it's getting overrun and they have to get somewhere for some reason. So they mount up on trucks and just start mowing them down like crazy as they're hauling ass down the freeway. I mean, that would be sweet to see something like that, but they, it seems like they always go so 
deep and emotional and introspective and you know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, all right, all right. Why, just make a crazy gore fest zombie movie again, like like a Planet Terror. There you go. Yeah, or even uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. That was that was good. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, eh, that's okay. Let's move on. It was okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, next round coming your way. Here's your roulette horror pick coming in at a whopping 85 minutes. Nails. Recently paralyzed in a devastating car accident, Dana begins to suspect a dark and sinister force may be lurking within her hospital room. Spooky, ghosty uh, hospital room thing. But I watched the trailer, and it looks like a roulette. 85 minutes. Uh, Bullethead. After a daring heist, three fugitives lock themselves in a warehouse, hoping to evade the police, but find a worse threat as they fight to stay alive. Did not watch the trailer, because starring Adrian Brody, John Malkovich, Antonio Banderas, Rory Culkin... 94 minutes, that's more than enough name power to put on the roulette. And lastly, this is, I, I think this might be a Bollywood movie. Just a heads up. But okay. it is also you and Killer Santa Claus. Hide and Seek from 2010. Years after an accident at a wild Christmas party traumatized them all, six former friends find themselves trapped in a shopping mall and forced by a killer disguised as Santa Claus to play a lethal game of hide and seek. And I thought, uh, oh, uh, the runtime on this also was like a 90 minutes. So for a Bollywood movie, that's like, that that's passable. Yeah. There you okay. go. Okay. And heading your way, uh, I actually threw Veronica on the roulette for you this time. Just because one of us is going to end up watching this thing. Madrid, 1991, a teen girl finds herself besieged by an evil supernatural force after she played Ouija board with two classmates. And I'm not sure if you mentioned this before, but this was directed by Paco Plaza, and he directed the Wreck movies. Oh. Uh, Spanish Wreck movies. And uh, so that immediately uh, gets me interested. And I actually have been... Uh, I actually listened to another podcast where they talk about the movie briefly and said that it's uh, quite good. So I have a feeling that's going to be a pretty safe pick when once one of us does pick that movie. So there's that. Uh, okay, next up is 2307, Winter's Dream. Here's your science fiction, be careful movie uh, from the United Arab Emirates. Uh, in 2307, a soldier is sent on a mission to hunt down the leader of the humanoid rebellion. Uh, the cover is really cool, but beware, it could be sci-fi original. I watched the trailer. <laughs> and Wind River makes another appearance on the roulette. Uh, Jeremy Renner is, uh, well, yeah, it's the, it's a big budget. Uh, movie it played in theaters did really well looks really good it's another I think safe pick and that actually this one and um, Veronica both clock in at an hour and 45 and I didn't even look but I'm sure that 2307 is probably a easy 90 minutes would be my guess just from the synopsis of that thing I really hope so because uh, the last two movies I've taken were over two hours and for that reason and they were both safe picks and for that reason, I will be taking 2307 Winter's Dream. And it could be, it could go either way from that trailer. It looks like they have some decent production value, I mean, in, or creativity in the art design kind of stuff. But it could also it, it spiral out of control into just god-awful. But we'll we'll see next week. We will see. And for you. Oh, there went my, hold on here. <laughs> There went my flash. That is a haunting preview of what is to come with 2307. Oh, yeah. 
dumping flask, drinking lap, <laughs> movie freaks. What do you want? Uh, oh, I thought you were talking to me. I'm like, well, um, I guess I want to continue the show. <laughs> yes, I am talking to you. What, oh, you, what I thought you were talking you to your kid off screen. What, what, I'm like, uh, what movie do you want? <laughs> mm, I suppose I should pick. Yeah, Good why Lord. not? Oh wow! Um, that yeah. Any, yeah. See, flask, alcohol. All of a sudden, Eugene's brain just here we go. Just ejects out the back of my head. <laughs> um, oh. uh, what were my choices again? <laughs> Bullethead, nails, bullethead. That's the one. That's yeah, the uh, Malkovich movie. Really, I'm surprised you didn't uh, go for the nails. Um, keep that on the on the list. I'll probably take that next week. Oh, I will. I'm I'm I've got a running list now. Yeah. But I mean, like what you said with when you read down through your list, I'm like that is a solid cast, and at the very least, I'm gonna probably get some good performances. Short runtime, I'm in. Yeah. Yep. And I might watch that one even if you come back with the kind of meh review. I might still check that one out. Okay. Just because. That actually, I mean, I've never heard of that movie, and that's a big enough cast that I'm, I'm surprised that that there wasn't at least some. These sort of, things. That's why we do this. These things get dumped on to Netflix, and we're like, "How did this not go in theaters?" And then our dumbasses force each other to watch them because, and then we're like, "Oh, that's why." Yeah, because nine out of ten of them are not great, and then but there's the one, and that's why we do the roulette. Yep. Okay, there you go. Next week it'll be 2307 Winter's Dream. My god, that title. I, I'm already regretting this. Up against Bullethead, and you should be regretting Bullethead. Yeah, I... <laughs> oh, I just... I, uh, foreshadowing of things to come next week. I just have this feeling it's going to be Bullethead. Ugh, I just... Just watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably the same Hopefully thing. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Okay, let's get on to trying out this game idea I've got. So here's what I've been uh, been bouncing around in my brain cavity this week is uh, because of that British game show I've been watching. Did I talk about that on the show? You oh, did. Okay. Because of the math part of that show that I really like, I was trying to think of a way that we could incorporate something like that into the show. And what I came up with is we pick a year, like 1985, and then you go to Google and type in, we'll both do it, best picture or best movies of 1985. Real quick here. Let's just do that. Best movies, 1985. Go. And then you see it brings up a bunch of pictures that you can scroll through. Yeah. Okay. Now, what we want to do is guess... We want to pick out, like, three movies... I don't know. Maybe I don't put a number on the number of movies. We want to pick out a number of movies, and then we're going to go to Box Office Mojo, that we think their totals add up to X amount of dollars. Like, say we say $500 million domestic. So then we're going to look through the list of movies, and you could say, I think I can do it in three, and then I will pick three movies. And you can say, I think I can do it in five. And then you pick five movies, and then we go look up the numbers on Box Office Mojo and see who comes closest to the number that we pick. So... There's addition involved in this game, huh? <laughs> okay, well, so much for that game, I guess. <laughs> Very light addition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shit. All right, what do you want to do? You come no, up with it. No, let's try it. Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's give this a whirl. Oh, lordy. Okay. 
Because, I mean, honestly, do you know how much money these movies made from different years? Because I don't. I know no, I don't. Stuff from when I paid attention to it from like 97 on, I might be able to have a good guess at. But not stuff like older that I grew up with. Or, we, yeah, okay. Or we could even just pick one movie. Like, I'm looking at Weird Science. You said 1985, so Weird Science is on here. We could do, like, I think Weird Science made $30 million domestic. And then we go to Box Office Mojo, or you... Or okay, you but then do... how do you determine who wins? Well, whoever's, it's kind of like, it's kinda like the Card Game War. Yeah, it's like, okay, here we go. You have one, I have one, and, up, oh, you won that one, so you get that Okay, one. and then we do three rounds? Yeah, there we go. All right. Okay, I'm and down with that. You, yeah, let's let's at least try that. That that's a little bit easier. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's why we're workshopping. It's a workshop yeah. episode. <laughs> well, yeah, this this is gonna be interesting. That I I like your idea, especially if we are dealing more with like pre I don't know mid nineties or whatever to work because you know you get into like well Jurassic Park. I'm like okay, well I have a pretty good idea of what that made domestic. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking through the list here. Are we starting with 1985? Sure, why not? We already got that pulled up, so might as well. Okay. Ooh, okay. I know what I'm going to pick. Okay, do you have a guess? I got my first guess. I guess I have to go first. I'm going to go with Witness. Okay. And I'm going to guess that it made... Oh, see, I don't know what 80s numbers... How do those translate to today? I'd be able to guess today. Um, I would, I, if I were you, my go suggestion lower. would be go lower because with you know, I'm going to say it made fifty million domestic. Okay. And your guess for round one? Uh, my guess for round one is uh, Commando. I'm going to go with Commando, and I'm going to say that movie did domestic uh, thirty million. Play along, listeners. Yeah, what's your guess? Okay, now we go to Box Office Mojo and look up your movie. I'm not doing all this work by myself. Now, um, I am assuming, I'm, I'm on Box Office Mojo now, I'm looking at Commando. Uh, it says Lifetime Gross, and I, I am assuming that's that's domestic, or is that Lifetime Gross? I don't know. I've, I've, I'm looking at it. If you look to the picture to the side, it's under right underneath the big title. It should say domestic total gross because I got mine. Oh, there we go. Okay. No, I got it. I got it. Yep. So uh, when you click on the picture, it actually, there's a domestic and then there's a foreign and then worldwide. Yeah. You want the domestic. Well, that's what you're guessing. I guess you can guess whichever one you want. Yeah. Now, how do we do this if we if we go over or are we just whoever is closest, regardless whoever's of it's closest. over? Okay. And we're just using the first two numbers, not, okay. not the extra math. I'm 18 over, or under. Then okay. Witness made $68 million. Okay, and Commando, uh, I guess $30 million, and it actually made $35 million domestic. Wow. One point for you, Gene. All right. So do you want to stick with 1985, or do you want to throw out a year? Um, well, you know what? How, do, how about the next round? We do 86 and then 87. Like just 85, okay. 86, and 87. Sounds good. All right. 1986. You sure you don't know how much money these movies made? I am positive okay. I do not know how much money these make. Now, having said that, like, if there is one that I have a good idea, like, Top Gun, I, I honestly, I don't know how much Top Gun made. It's an 86. But if I would know, like, oh, I know, like, I'm pretty confident that made $75 million. Am I, or should I try to pick one that I have no clue and I'm just guessing? Try to pick one that you're just guessing. Okay. As that wouldn't be fun otherwise. As I wouldn't burn you like that. <laughs> okay. All right. 
And we are just doing the pictures that are on the screen here, because, I mean, obviously there's tons of more movies, but... Yeah, oh, I'm just scrolling down through. Let's see what we got here. Highlander. I'm going to take Highlander. Okay. Oh, what the hell did that make? I'm going to say $75 million. I'm going to call that a hit. Domestic. And for you, sir. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Aliens. That's like... I. I, it's the first one that popped up on my screen, so why not Aliens? Um, eh, oh boy, and I want to. I'm gonna. I know that it did really good, but how good? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm gonna say seventy million. That might be pushing it, but I'll say seventy. All right. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, I'm I don't know. 110% sure. <laughs> um, you want to go first or should I? I'm up first. Highlander, domestic total gross, 5.9 million. And what did you guess? 75. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Highlander. That wasn't a hit. Ooh. How okay, is that well, possible? I wow. I, I, <laughs> I guessed that. So I guess 70 for Aliens, and uh, it actually grossed 85 million domestic. So cheers <sighs> to Eugene again, Fuck I this guess. this game. I hate this game. This game is bullshit. I don't like it. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, 1987. Are you ready? I'm going to yep. scroll down here a bit. Let's get out of the normal movies, or I mean, the ones that we might know. Uh, now, Highlander, that was a gamble. That was a, like... Yeah, but I, I have... Th- I thought that was a big movie. Apparently not. Okay, I'm going to go with a nice little horror movie for 1987. Angel Heart. Oh, okay. And I'm going to guess... Fourteen. I'm going to guess that was a small little thing. Okay. Um... Oh, boy. Oh, well, let's see here. I'm going to pick RoboCop. Weird. I just said it was, uh, all the big ones. All the big ones. Commando hey, yeah, Aliens, RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say RoboCop 40 mil. All right. Joel Hart over here. Oh, hey. I might actually have a chance this time. I uh, Angel Hart, domestic total gross, $17 million. So I'm off by three. Now ah, you on that one, yeah. Robocop, $40 million is what I said. Domestic gross, $53 million. All right. One point for me, at least. Now, this is fun. Let's keep rolling here. Oh, okay. Do two more. There we go. You want to do 88? Let's do 88. Oh, boy. What do you... Akira, what domestic could that have done? Peanuts, I would guess. I would guess that too, yeah. I'm going to pick something else. Bloodsport. Bloods. Oh, uh, Van Damme. Okay. Yep. Uh, I need to pick a horror movie now. I'm going to say... Aliens is kind of, but I need to pick a horror movie. Bloodsport, 1988. I mean, that's that's peak Van Damme, right? I'm going to say... That is peak Van Damme. I'm going to say 22. That might... Okay. Ah, boy, I don't know. What's your horror movie? Um, I'm going to guess Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. 
and um, uh, I'm going to guess 20 million on that, and that's being very optimistic. All right. Bloodsport, domestic total gross. I was optimistic. 11 million. I said 22, it was 11, so it was off by 11. Ouch. And the thing is, that is, that is kind of considered a classic 80s action movie at this point. I figured that it would have done better than that. Me too. Opening I wonder if that's one of those that found more of a life on home video. Probably. I mean, at this time period, they were pumping these kinds of things out like mm-hmm. crazy. What did Halloween 4 make? Halloween 4 <laughs> made $17.7 million. Oof, you got that one. Uh, Honestly, I I should be careful with picking, like, those 80s horror movies because they, a lot of them, I feel like they're probably around 20, maybe 30 million bucks. So, I'll, I'll, I mean, that was a guess. I had no idea, but I'm like, I have this feeling it's going to be around there. Yeah. Like, probably 10 million opening weekend and then, you know, five next, three, and, you know, tapers off to about 20. Yeah. Okay, last round. 1989. I'm going to take License to Kill. Bond movie. License to Kill. Is that Dalton? That is Timothy Dalton. Okay. Oh boy. What to guess on this one. I'm going to say this was a modest hit. Was this the first one or second one that he did? I think it was the first one. The the first one was Living Daylights. Okay. So people were already skeptical about him as a Bond, maybe? Yeah. It's still Bond. It's going to be a modest hit, right? At least? None of those flat-out bomb, do they? I don't... Oh boy, I don't think. I mean, most of them do some, somewhat good. I'm going to say 75. 75, all right. Ah, oh. I'm going to say 65. Let me change that. 65. Okay. I'm worried. I'm concerned. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, which one to take? Oh, oh of course. Roadhouse. <laughs> Uh, Roadhouse, and uh, that one there, I can already tell, that's probably going to be one that did uh, well on home video, but probably not so hot in uh, the theaters. But it's Patrick Swayze, um, and this is after Dirty Dancing. I'm going to guess uh, $22 million. I can't spell license. <laughs> L-I-C-E-N-S-E? L- I C E N. That's what I tried already, and it says no. It says there's no results. Let's see what Wikipedia says that it made. I hate it when that happens. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh ouch! I'm on IMDb. It says the uh, it says the U.S. gross is 34 million dollars, and the <laughs> worldwide is 156. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now, well, look at think look at it from my point of view. I thought it was 156, so I'm like, wow, I'm a hundred million off. Now I'm only 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What about Roadhouse? Uh, Roadhouse, I guess 22, and it made 30. So I was uh, about 8 million off. Well, it's a good thing we don't have to come up with a title for this stupid-ass game, since we're never going to play it again, because Eugene wins 4-1. to Whee! Oh, no, that was fun. Let's do it next week and (laughs) the week after. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Note to self, don't bring the 80s to Eugene. Duh. (laughs) And I think next time we'll stay on one year. Okay. And maybe we should pick out, like, movies that... Try to find movies that we've never heard of, or or have never seen, or I don't know. Just less... Ones we know a lot less about. Yeah. So what do I win? 
Oh, you have all of my undying respect. Thank you. Take it with you wherever you go. <laughs> You're going to have this squeaky-ass chair in a minute, because I'm going to throw it to Canton. <laughs> Bastard. Oh, all right. Good. You ready for Recently Watched? Yes. All right. Do, 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 do. Eugene wins the first round of the box office game. Uh, okay, I'm up first, I guess. Let me see. What do I want to talk about? Go down my list here. VHSs upon VHSs and voodoos and... Let's talk about the Detonator 2 Night Watch. What? Detonator 2 Night Watch? Yes. The VHS. There's a Detonator 1, obviously. Yes. Starring Pierce Brosnan. Oh, okay. This was during the time, I think, when he was kind of signed on for Bond, or wanted to do Bond, but was committed to these other things, so he couldn't do Bond for a little while, and uh, Timothy Dalton was Bond, and then they got rid of Timothy Dalton, and they're like, Pierce, are you free yet? And he's like, yes, and then you get Goldeneye and stuff, but uh, I picked this up because it's an action, cheap, direct-to-video action movie uh, VHS and Pierce Brosnan, so why the hell not? And it was entertaining for what it was. I'd love to pick up the first one and see what that looks like, but I thought it was funny that the the extra name on it was Nightwatch when it had nothing to do with anything in the movie whatsoever. There was no Mission Nightwatch, there was no codename Nightwatch or anything, and then I pick up the VHS cover and it says based on so-and-so's character from so-and-so's book of the book titled Nightwatch. Okay, it's an action movie they based on a book called Nightwatch. Okay. But uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, this is your 90s, late 80s, early 90s, direct-to-video action movie. Uh, he, he is a warrior for the UN. Goes out, you know, the, the peacekeeping, except he doesn't do any keeping of peace. He just runs amok like a spy. And, uh... Yep, I watched it, so Detonator 2, Night Watch, off the list. You watched it so I don't have to. Eh, it was fine for a in-the-background VHS. And another V... I'll just get this other VHS off the pile, off the list. Uh, Somewhere in Time, have you ever heard of this movie? Mm, It sounds like a Disney movie, but I'm guessing it's not. Maybe I'm thinking Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, it's not. Um... It, this is starring Christopher Reeve, Superman. Okay. And uh, I, I hear people talk about this movie all the time. That's why I picked it up. That's why I wanted to watch it. I was kind of disappointed. The, people had built this movie up to to me more than it really is. It sounds... It has a sweet premise. It just... On the d- genres it's mix, mixing, it doesn't deliver on the ones I wanted most. As much as it does on the ones I wanted least. Um, the story is that he is... Uh, he's a playwright, and one night this old lady comes to him after one of his shows and gives him a watch and says, find me, and then stumbles away. And then he goes on vacation years later and goes to this historic hotel, whatever, on the beach, sees this old picture of this woman from the 1800s, and then tries to figure out time travel by talking to this scientist guy, kind of figures it out in a weird way, has nothing to do with machines, it's just like self-projection, Time travels back to fall in love with her. And it's an interesting story, but the ending is kind of devastating. And when it was all said and done, I was like, we're ending in this like this? Okay. So it turned out to be more of just a romance drama movie than 
really heavy with the wanted more of a back to the future kind of thing, you know, where it's yeah. a little more playful and it's not so playful, but it's got a good cast. It was worth one watch, but that's probably about it for me. Okay. Okay. Over to you, sir. Okay. Um, let's get a couple duds off the list so I can focus on some good stuff. Um, I got a, a double header of Hammer movies that I have never seen before on the extremely cheap, which is usually a bad sign. Uh, one of them, this is on the same disc, one of them is called Die, Die, My Darling from 1960-something uh, starring people. Uh, <laughs> lady uh, wants to go to her mother and well... Her deceased fiance's uh, mother's house to uh, for some stupid reason or another, and her current her current guy is like, "That's not a good idea. You shouldn't. I don't want you to go." And she's like, "I'm just gonna go one night. She wants me to show up, and because you know I used to date her son, whatever." So she goes, and immediately you can tell this this lady is like overtly religious nutbag. Uh, and very quickly she gets kidnapped and she's got, uh, several other people living with her in this big mansion-y type house and they start tormenting her, I guess. One of the, uh, one of the characters is played by Donald Sutherland, a very young Donald Sutherland. Thought that was kind of cool. Uh, but it, I, I hated the, the religious nutty lady so bad that it kind of ruined the movie for me because it, it's it's okay in a 60s uh pulp thriller sort of way but i hated her so bad and the fact that at a, after a certain point i'm like okay i can now understand why you can't escape but there for a little while i'm like are what are you doing lady just leave get out of there while she like the the crazy old lady was still trying to play nice but you could tell she's off her rocker and i'm like just go like your your son her, this lady's son is dead and you've this made is, your This peace. is like when my sister tries to tell me a story. It's like when she's excited. I went over here and I talked to my friend and his cousin's brother's first wife, who they previously were divorced, but then they invited yeah. him over for Thanksgiving dinner and it should have been fine, but we didn't know that crazy uncle grandma was going to show up and, you know, yeah. <laughs> huh? What? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was this. I mean, like, oh, wipe that makeup off your face because that's worldly and sinful and blah, 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 blah. Nah. Uh, and in traditional Hammer way, it ends, like, abruptly, like, you know, Finn. And just the end. And it goes back to the main menu. So let's watch the next one called Maniac. Not the Joe Spinell cool Maniac. This is black and white 50s Hammer. Do you have a year on that? Oh, man, I don't. But good God, I hated this movie. I... This is easily the worst Hammer movie that I have ever seen by a long, long, long shot. It doesn't make really a, any sense to me at all. Uh, something about this guy that goes to this small French village and his wife leaves him there because they're having a fight. And so he starts hooking up with this bartender lady and her daughter. And it turns out that there, this lady's husband is in jail and she talks the guy into breaking him out. But they still love each other. Like this new guy, like it's one of those movies where two scenes after they meet, I love you. I know. I love you too. I hate that. I'm not uh, seeing a year on this. 
It's just called Maniac. Just Maniac, yeah. Or maybe The Maniac. Try The Maniac. Okay, I'll try that. I like to have oh, a year. There, there it is, 1963. Uh, oh, there it is. A.K.A. The Maniac. Uh, but anyway, they break the guy out, and then stupid things happen, and I hated this movie. Hated it. And usually I can find some something redeemable in this. Did I give it zero? I don't think I gave it zero. I think I gave it a half a star just because it's black and white and shot on film, I guess. That deserves something, maybe, but it was pretty much incoherent, just especially with the, I've known you for two scenes. I love you. I love you too. Well, they didn't live as long back then, Eugene. You had to get yours when you can get it. Yeah, they, yeah. They, and somehow the guy was kind of, kind of liked the, this, this daughter who was 19 and like, okay, so this guy's kind of creepy, but he's kind of the hero. And then they, he gets killed. I think unless he came back in the end, I don't remember. I, bad, <laughs> meh. The end, maniac or the maniac or, Whee! Cesspool garbage that sucked. And will stay it. on your shelf. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. That double feature will stay on the shelf with the rest of the Hammer movies. I, I want our audience to remember this review and remember this moment. So that in a year, when we are talking about these movies again, and you dudes talking about liking them, and I'm acting all indignant and shocked about it and pissy. <laughs> Don't like, be surprised. But, it, but it's black and white, and now it means something because it's set in France. So I didn't get it the first time. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's a flamethrower. I'm sorry, a blowtorch as a potential kill weapon device in this. It wasn't scary. It was stupid. <laughs> okay. I was like, where the now, hell is now this that going? We got the, yeah, now that we got the shites done, let's... Uh, Oh, you want to do another one? Um, sure. Barbed Wire Dolls from Jess Franco. Let's do that real quick. Real quick. Uh, Barb Wire or Barbed? Barbed, wi- barbed Wire Dolls. ED. Yep. Uh, directed by Jess Franco. And this is a full, this isn't a full moon movie, but Full Moon released it. And I hinted that I was going to watch it and review it on the show. And here we go. Um, Naked ladies in a castle that is also a prison, and they are doing sexual experiments, but uh, it's really not sexual experiments. It's just writhing around on a bed that's supposed to be like an electric bed that they're shocking the ladies, but they're not. Um, and uh, some mild whipping. Um, the uh, the head warden lady usually walks around almost topless, and she has like this, like they took the lens out of a pair of glasses and they put it on her one eye so that she's kind of like, Oh, you're a German, you see. So it's like, you know, it's like, like Ilsa, but not Ilsa at all. It's yes. It's Ilsa, but not good, I guess. Oh <laughs> no. Wrong word. Um, yeah, I know. Um, it's Ilsa, but so, not hardcore. No. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of ladies eventually escape somehow. I don't remember how, and they run through the jungle half naked and then they get killed. Roll credits. And that's it for my reviews. Back to you. Wonderful. Uh, okay. Let's talk about, uh, some comic book movies since you're talking about your bullshit. Um, <laughs> Batman, Gatham, Bo- Ga- Gatham, <laughs> Judas. Perfect. Gatham. I like that. All right. Gotham by Gaslight. This is one of the, this is the most recent animated DC Batman iteration, and I like the concept quite a bit. Actually, I like the concept better than I like 
the well, not the final product, but the the climax of the film. It really lost me at the climax of the film. And what this is is it's set in uh, Victorian era time with Batman going up against uh, the slasher. What's in England? What's the famous guy? Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. I believe so. At least that's what I'm going with. Okay. If if they weren't, if it wasn't specifically Jack the Ripper by name, that's sure as shit what they were selling it as, without okay. maybe saying so. And Poison Ivy is in it, and for a minute, and Catwoman's in it, and other people are in it. And they're all playing different kind of variations of it's like a Netherworlds or Otherworld story, and it's for the most part quite interesting, and quite entertaining. But the whole time we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the twist? Who's playing? Who's the guy? Who's really killing these women? And you get to the very end, and when they reveal who it is. I, I was so, like, nonplussed by it. I was just like, I'm out. Like, whatever, dude. Give me a break. Like, it's the most weakest... I, I don't even know how to explain it, because I don't want to give it away, but it's just sort of like... Some nerd kicking at his computer going, This'll be shocking and piss off the fanboys! And it's just... Come on, dude. It was just weak. It was weak. It had no power behind it for me. What The reveal. I was just, okay. Meh. Whatever, but the animation is great, and uh, the, the idea is cool, and I'll go back and rewatch it the way Eugene does, and come back with a more positive review, because that's what I do with all this animated DC, and little comic book bullshit. Barbed Wire Batman. Woo! Next up, Thor 3. Figure we'd talk about this one, uh, We I know we both watched it, so Ragnarok. I will kick it off, and then kick it over to you for your turn. Okay. Been really looking forward to this one. Heard great things. I enjoy the other two Thor movies, even though uh, the second one is one of the lesser of all of Marvel's films so far. But it's it's still it's still an enjoyable film. It's harmless. That's the best way to put it. It's not awful. It's just all right. It's a thing. Uh, But with the reviews for Thor three, obviously expectations were high, and I will say that ninety percent of it completely paid off. Very. Very good. Very funny. Um, there is more than enough action and awesomeness in this movie that it really pisses me off that they blew the Thor, uh, the Hulk re- reveal in the trailer. They didn't have to do that. And this movie would have been way more impactful if all of a sudden, you know, if, if you were just hearing word of mouth that, oh, Hulk's in the movie, and then went and watched the movie and you see how much he's in the movie. And just that whole scene should not have been in the trailer. It is so good. It had no business being in the trailer. That was like one of the, maybe the highlight of the entire movie. It's a friend from work. That, uh, damn it. That, I wish so bad I had not seen that in the trailer. Especially considering how much awesome was in there already before that, that you could have totally sold this movie that way just without Hulk at all. And uh, they would have been all the better for it, in my opinion. But that's trailers these days. What are you going to do? And then we get to the third act. And now I start to, I, I, as much as I am forgiving of these things, and I will still give this a, a solid eight, eight and a half. So I'm giving this movie rock solid score. But you get to that third act and I start having a couple of problems because I, there are inconsistencies with the complaints that Marvel fanboys have against DC films that are happening in this movie that everybody's just like, ah ha ha, all right, it's fine. You know, you're going to scream and fight and be super pissy about people dying in DC films, and then you're going to go to Marvel films like this and make 
jokes as they talk about how many people they killed. That's kind of weird. You're heroes. You know? It's like, alright, I guess we're bragging about how many people the Hulk killed today. That's odd. Uh, they're hero. Yeah, but you killed a lot of people. Um, the other thing is, the problem that you had with Star Trek Beyond, with that Beastie Boys song, I now have with this movie and the Immigrant song. It was the Immigrant song. Mm-hmm. That annoyed me. I'm, yeah, I'm there with you on that one. The trailer, it was fine, but then when it busted out, not once, but twice, I think. I think they did it in the first act and in the third act, maybe. It happened twice. I should know. I watched this movie two and a half times in three days because the wife oh, wanted to wow. watch it. Well, the wife wanted oh, okay. to watch it. So I was like, all right, sure. And I was like, there's something in that third act that bugs me and I can't put my finger on it. So I was fine with going back and revisiting it. And well, there's that. And there's also that all of a sudden Loki's a good guy. Like, forget the fact that in Thor 2, he takes, he kicks his father off the throne and banishes him and takes over his place. And then Thor 3, they play funny with that in the beginning with Matt Damon and all that jazz. Yeah. And then they go find banished father and he dies basically because of what Loki did. That's not spoiling anything. That's first act of this movie. And now everybody's just like, ah, by the end of the movie, it's fine, Loki. Ha ha, you trickster. You're on the good guys now. And it's like, look, I love Tom Hiddleston's performance. I love him as Loki. He's great. Nobody turns around on a villain that fast. And especially considering how many movies has he been the absolute villain of? The Avengers came together to fight this fucking asshole. Yep. And now he's just, ah, Loki. He's adopted. It's like, God, it lost weight with me because of that, of how quick they turned him into a good guy. I wonder if they did that because he is such a likable character, even as a villain. He is, he's very likable. He's a good, I mean, Tom Hiddleston's a good actor and he plays the part so well. And I just wonder if it's like, you know what, we should try to make him, you know, let's make him more good than bad in this. Cause I, I'm right there with you. I, I know what you're talking about. I'm like, wow, that was changing things up on a dime right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, and from my, bare understandings of the Thor universe from comic books. I, I know that Loki's been good guy and bad guy, I think, sometimes. He goes back and forth, kind of like Catwoman or whatever. But considering that your whole movie universe has been built on him as one of the biggest, baddest villains, it's it just... <sighs> Alright, whatever. I, I should probably just shut up. <laughs> but it's something that I thought about while watching the movie, so I think it's a valid criticism. I actually had that same criticism. That and the music, that or that song that they used. I didn't. I, I'm so used to trailers spoiling so much of the movie that I that didn't really. I didn't really think about that when Hulk does make it as his appearance. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. I saw that in the trailer. Cool. I'm just used to spoilery trailers. Yeah. Uh, but your thoughts um, on the movie? <clears throat> I thought it was fantastic. I uh, I liked this actually way more than Black Panther. Uh, sh- oh, I can't believe I'm saying that. I seriously, I. I I loved how uh, Guardians of the Galaxy esque it was in its humor, as well as the effects and just the like the space stuff and the spaceships and whatnot. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I love. Um, so I just I liked the more lighthearted tone of this, um, and I really liked Loki. I thought Loki was fantastic in it, but like you said, it's like okay, I guess he's <clears throat> excuse me, I guess that he is one of the guys now. I thought I thought the Doctor Strange scene was awesome. Like that was really funny. Yeah, that was really really cool. Kate uh, Kate Blanchett in this is really good as the villain. Uh, Val Hella is that? I believe that's her name. Uh, Hella, I think it was just Hella. Or Hella, yeah. 
Okay, so I, all in all, I thought that this was like this here would be in the upper ranks of the Marvel movies for me. I mean, it's not my favorite favorite, but it's getting up there. I just for turn your brain off, enjoy a big budget spectacle with lots of really good laughs in it. I would probably agree it's top ten Marvel for me. Uh, I really yeah. enjoyed it. As Jeff well. Goldblum's in it; he's really funny in it. He um, kills. Yeah, the New Zealand humor is front and center, and I love it. That, that's oh, one I of know. the best parts. Due to the director, yeah. You go, but new was... Doug! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I loved it. Yeah, I was surprised. I figured that I was going to like it, uh, but because I had just watched Black Panther, and which I quite enjoyed, I'm like, oh, I'm just, it's another superhero movie, here we go. But I found myself the whole way through, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is solid. Uh, and then by the end, I'm like, that was, that was kick-ass. What, now, what did you make of the, the, this is a spoiler, this is end credits stinger spoiler here, but... What exactly was the huge ship that uh, floats up into view and Loki and Thor are like, what? <laughs> I don't know. All I can make of that is it has something to do with Avengers Infinity War. Because okay. what we've seen from those trailers, it starts off with the Guardians of the Galaxy picking up Thor floating in space on their ship. And then he's like, who are you guys at the end of that trailer? So they get the shit kicked out of them at some point by that. Well, it must be Thanos' forces going to Earth. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But as per usual, um, damn, should I do this while we're at it? Because I rewatched Avengers 1 and 2 in the last couple of months. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I haven't talked about it. The whole backlog of shit I've been watching, but. Yeah, let's. I mean, we're on a roll here with the superhero stuff. Let's get Avengers. I haven't watched them in quite a while, though. So I, I actually, the second one. I think it's the second one. I've only watched it once in the theater. The first one completely holds up. It was really good. And I was so in that world at that point that I was like, I need to give Avengers 2 another chance because I always turn around those movies. And that's one that I is in the lower bottom three for me of Avengers movies. I really did not like Avengers 2. So I need to give it another shot. I watched it again. I got it from the library, watched it again. It's still in the bottom three for me. I don't like that is movie. Is it really? And here's why. the I mean, the first half of that movie is awesome. It's straight up Avengers, like Avengers 1. It's got its own story. It's going forward. It's doing its thing. And then somewhere in the second and third acts, it just becomes a collection of scenes that are pushing the Marvel Universe forward and not pushing the movie itself forward. They're like, oh, we're setting up this, and we're setting up this, and we're setting up this with all these other movies instead of focusing on the story at hand. So it's like, East, whoa, Easter egg, what does that mean? Oh, here's a storyline that started but didn't go anywhere. What does that mean? And then, then it never wrapped up. And then Thor vanishes for a little while into a magic pool, and then he comes back. And you're like, what the fuck did that mean? Um, so, it, and then at the end, it, it, it can't decide what it wants to be. Does it want to save the people, or does it want to stop Ultron? Or, I mean, we do all remember this is Tony Stark's fault, right? Nope. We move right past that. There's no blame put on him whatsoever, which is so frustrating because then you get to Civil War and the second that somebody else does something under mind control, he completely loses his shit and everybody's just okay with it. That just does not make any sense for the character whatsoever. I don't think, I, I just don't feel like that's fair. You think that's just sloppy writing or just, like you said, moving the, moving the universe forward, let's just, we have to do this to get to this. It's, exactly, and it's too much focusing on the Marvel Universe instead of the Marvel movies. It's a, a thin strain of the Marvel Universe that really irritates me as Tony Stark. 
everybody loves him because he's he's so smart and he makes witty comments and shit. He's funny, and I get that, and Downey Jr. does a great job of doing that. But it's annoying that he is never held accountable for his actions. The way that he holds everybody else accountable for him. It, it, there's a weird dichotomy there that's just, it does not work for me. I can still turn off the brain and enjoy the movies, but it still is weird. I've been on this rant for fucking three years since we've <laughs> had the damn podcast. Move on. Do you think that uh, the third one is going to rectify some of those those uh, wrongs made by part two? Because, yeah, I, I enjoyed part two when it was on, but I don't remember much about it. And I remember thinking, I'll eventually watch that one again. And I still, I, it's not like I'm chomping at the bit. Like, oh, I got to, even before the third one comes out, I'm like, I'm not right now thinking, boy, I've got to rewatch part two. I, meh, I maybe, but whatever, if I have time, which I probably won't, because yeah. I'm busy watching Barbara Dolls in part <laughs> five. Uh, I have no expectations for part three. I don't know what they're going to do. They, they say the same thing every time that one of these, you know, bigger Marvel movies comes out. They say the same damn things. It, it's bigger stakes and just wait and you're going to see. And they're all hinting about like, well, who's going to die and who's going to live and I'm just like, nah, okay. Well, yeah, Thor lost an eye. Oh, yeah. Woo! Heavy stakes. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. Will people die? Probably. Just because they're, they've got so many characters. And they'll, they'll off a couple of expendable ones. It's the same way that they did in uh, any time that I hear. And that, it's not that I want heroes to die. I really don't. But they've just... I don't know. There's no stakes in these movies because they already announced the movies ahead of time. So, you know, who's going to live, you know, they're five years out and who's going to get their own movie. So, you know, black widow is going to be fine. How do I know? There's a black widow movie coming. <laughs> She's not yeah. going to die in this one. Now with that one there, uh, didn't Joss Whedon, he had some issues with the studio heads on that, right? That, that wasn't just, yeah, they were forcing, as I recall from, again, it's all gossip, but as I recall from the nerdscape of the internet, the Thor magic pool stuff was forced on him to set up shit in Thor 2, because that played into Thor 2, I think. So Wow, and I don't even remember how that played into Thor I, Part 2. I don't either. I've, I've, I, that movie is so forgettable that I watch it, and the second it's over, I'm like, wait, what, who ha what happened? I don't even remember, because it's... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the Marvel Universe chugs along, and as long as they keep making a billion dollars, you can expect nothing to change. And why on earth would they kill off characters or anything when everybody keeps paying to see it? And I'm part of that problem, because I go pay to see it. Oh, me too. Now, granted, I've eased up on the theatrical viewings. I watched Black Panther, but I, mean, I missed Thor. I missed uh, Spider-Man. So it's I'm getting a bit more choosy just because we've talked about this before because the runtimes on these movies are so excessive it seems and then you, you add in the uh, trailers and all this especially if you have to sit through all the end credits which generally anymore it seems like it's ten minutes worth uh, it's like I I would rather watch the movie at home and po potentially have to split it up into two nights because I'm old and I fall asleep with drinking lap at ten thirty yeah. <laughs> so oh another uh, thing I was gonna say with Civil War is that I expected somebody to maybe die in that one and we just got. Uh, Rhodes back hurt. That was that war machine. He's expendable. I, I, you know, the only person that's died is the speedster guy in Avengers two. And he was expendable because they had 
mutual rights with him and Fox. That's why Quicksilver is still at Fox, living and running around being crazy in the X-Men movies, but here, in the Marvel movies, he's dead. Because they already have that character somewhere else, so they can afford to get rid of, uh, to kill him. So it did not pay off with, it didn't, I didn't feel anything about that when he died. That just makes it seem like a business. Like, just hearing it that, is. it's like, oh, this is just, it's a business where we have to, you know, and it is, I get it, but. It completely yeah. is. And, oh, wait, hold on, I got a text. Yeah, we've just been bought out by Disney. You and me. So, um, sorry, oh. but uh, Avengers 2 I is can't great. Wait. I can't wait oh. for the new Avengers movie. Um, I, I love how they change things up every single time. I know. God you never them. know what to expect. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Over to you. <laughs> okay. And on the other end of the spectrum, not going cheesy horror, but let's talk about some um, some actually real quality cinema. Last night I had the pleasure of watching Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I was, uh, yesterday was Sunday, yeah, yesterday was Sunday, um, and it was just a lot of bullshit dealing with just stuff. And then I had a good, a good time with, uh, with our buddy Thomas on his show, but I'm like, I need to watch a, I'm ready for a movie that I know I'm going to like. And, um, this one here is available to rent now on Vudu, so I'm like, you know, I I really like uh, the director, Martin McDonough. Um, is that how you pronounce his last name? If not, then Mr. Martin, it is. Uh, seven Psychopaths in Bruges. Yeah, I think it's McDonough. Or, yeah. How okay. else? Don, no? Okay. Don? I don't know. I generally butcher last names, so, well, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I like his movies, Seven Psychopaths was not quite as good as I was hoping, but In Bruges is fantastic. And um, very quickly in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, I could tell why this was nominated for Best Picture. I was immediately sucked into this world. The characters, the very, very uncomfortable dark humor, uh, coupled with some great heartfelt moments with with characters that are really, really hard to like. This was a hard, like to me, this was a hard movie to pull off because there are so many unlikable characters in the movie. And that includes, uh, Frances McDormand's character. She is, she is the lady that has lost a daughter that puts up these three billboards that are basically saying, we need to, this town is not figuring out who murdered my daughter. And, uh, just everybody along the way seems to just be a damaged soul. But what, a great movie. Every Oscar that it won, which I wasn't that many. I know that she won Best Actress and Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor. Totally earned. And I granted, I haven't watched all of the Best Picture nominations and all of the all of the movies that were up for awards, but my goodness, was this a fantastic movie? This was fantastic, uh, and I think part of some of it, some of the reason why I liked it so much was because not only is it it is an awards movie, but Every now and then there is something that is genuinely shocking to even me. I'm like, wow, they actually said that? Or wow, they actually, like, that was actually pretty gruesome. Which, coming from this director, doesn't really surprise me. But coming from a movie with this high of prestige, I'm like, wow, that's okay. That's, you said that? That's kind of ballsy. All right. I haven't um, seen the movie yet, but I really, in, I, well, at the uh, Chinese theater, or Chinese theater. Oh, my God. At <laughs> the Japanese restaurant we were eating at today, they had a they have TVs up in there. And one of the things they were showing was like an entertainment tonight type show. And they were just showing trailers of 
random stuff, and one of them was three billboards. And I gotta say, I really enjoyed watching Frances McDermott beat the shit out of some teenagers. Oh, it was great. Shit on her car. I I enjoyed the hell out of that. She was so worthy. I just said this, but she was so worthy of that best actress uh, win. This is fantastic. Like I, this is maybe a knee jerk reaction, but I did give it five out of five stars. And I know that's, that's knee jerk reaction, but I adored this movie. This was so, so, so good. I'm actually, it's one that, uh, I rented it and now I'm like, Oh, I kind of wish that I would have, and it's, I think it's $15 to own on voodoo. I'm like, Oh, I know I'm going to watch this movie numerous times. I probably should have just bought it because now I'm going to try and find the Blu-ray for cheap, which, well, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but huge, huge thumbs up. My highest recommendation. Um, I'm okay. definitely going to watch it. You should. And there, I've got 24 hours left on my rental if you're... Mm. I might. I might. Yeah. If I can hold off the VHS for a minute, I might give yeah, that I, a watch. I can't imagine that... I, I was never bored. at Through the whole two hours, I was never bored. But it's, it's not a feel-good movie, but it's one where it's not like you want to kill yourself when it's done. Like, it, there's enough dark humor in it. And quirkiness that it it evens out some of the more heavy subject matter. Cool. So, and um, also, uh, and yes, I am going to get into some of the black and white movies that I have been watching, but not on this round. Uh, the other movie, and I'm not sure if you watched this, but I did buy this on Vudu, and I watched it a couple days ago, and that is the Killing of a Sacred Deer. I haven't watched uh, it yet. Directed by Yorgos Alanthimos, uh, starring. Colin Farrell? Uh, Colin Farrell and the, oh, what was the kid's name? It, it was the uh, the kid that doesn't make it out of Dunkirk. Isn't he the one that, uh, you know which one I'm talking about? No. Uh, he was in Dunkirk. He was on the uh, boat. Oh, I, I know who you're talking about. I don't know who the actor is. Okay. Barry Cogan? You expected me to know Barry Cogan's name. Ah, uh, yeah. I, oh, anyway. Barry Cogan. <laughs> Barry, yes. Oh, I'll okay, so. In, I'll fix it in post. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sure you will. Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a fucking genius this episode. <laughs> oh, Barry Cogan. Of course. Uh, bork, bork, bork. Durka, durka. Um, <laughs> oh, and of course I'm making jokes and this is like the, the oh, it's, farthest yeah, thing happy, from a jokey movie. Time. Oh, this movie was just, oh, <laughs> uh, I, it was about, I, I wanted to say that this movie is a morality play type thing. Um, not all of it really makes sense, and this is going to be a very polarizing movie. You either dig it for what it is, or you're probably going to hate it, because uh, it is not a fun movie, but it is technically, for, like, the filmmaking aspect of it is extremely good. The music is extremely good. The acting is just, everybody is, uh, it's almost like this is, like, another, like, Another Earth somewhere in the galaxy. Like, it's no one acts quite like you really do in real life, but not in a bad actor sort of way. It's like. David Lynchy kind of way? Yeah, yes. David Lynchy kind of way. This movie actually reminded me, I think I texted you, David Lynch crossed with Eyes Wide Shut. But keep in mind, Eyes Wide Shut is a masterpiece. This is, for me, not a masterpiece. And David Lynch. Uh, it's it's just a weird mashup kind of of those two things. And the, I think the less you know going in, the better. But I will say that this revolves around uh, revenge, man, redemption, kind of. And 
how the everything kind of comes together in the universe. So if you are, if you do bad shit, it might catch up with you. Um, there's possibly, I'm trying not to spoil the movie, but there's possibly maybe some supernatural stuff going on as well because some things are left out on purpose. But that's kind of what makes me think of David Lynch type movies. Sure. Like Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway. I, I, I gave it three and a half stars, but I did feel like the end of the movie, I think I get what he was going for, the director, but it's, it's, it's depressing. Good God. Um, and I own it, so it's yours to watch if you want on my voodoo. I absolutely will, but since it's so depressing, I'll let it sit for a little bit. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I, I, I bought it, but I, I may watch it way down the road again, but it's going to be a while. Like, unlike Ebbing, Missouri, which was heavy, that has incredible replayability. This one here does not. The first half of it, I'm like, this is so great. And then the second half, and especially the end, kicks in. I'm like, good God. Oh, this is... Ugh. So, having said that, cool. I'm not... I mean, it's it, it does get a thumbs up from me, but it is not for everyone. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to check it out sometime, because it's Colin Farrell, and I think he's a great actor. He is fantastic in it. <clears throat> okay. Let me do a fairly quick double header of some VHS movies. All right. First up, National Lampoon's European Vacation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but my brain tells me that the internet does not shine favorably on this movie. That most people think it's a piece of shit? Yep, and I think it's hilarious. Okay, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just, uh... My perception wasn't off-kilter, because I I don't know, I... Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Once the internet came around, I started reading everybody's thoughts and views of, you know, what the world thinks of this thing. I was like, huh, what? Um, I thought it was funny. I have not seen it in probably since the VHS days, since I last, whenever I rented it. And I'm sure that my parents did not like me renting it because there were a couple of booby scenes. Yeah, that was one of those uh, booby PG-13 movies. Yeah, that's why I was renting it. <laughs> uh, but so it was fun to revisit now. And it, it still has that National Lampoon's humor, which is... I don't know. At times, dude, it's just like, give me, it's so groan worthy because you see the comic, the, the punchline coming from a mile away. It's like, oh, they're going to do this. Wait, wait, wait. Then they do that. You're like, eh, all right. But then every now and then they have one that a zinger that really gets to you. And Chevy Chase is so good in these kinds of movies because his expression sells it in a, just an innocent, He's such a moron, but it's an innocent moron. <laughs> and so that's why it is still decent. It's shockingly pedophiliac, if that's a word, probably not. With, his, with the kids, like with his with, son and daughter? Well, with the daughter being, um, she's not 18. And you got, uh, the gr- they go on this game show to win this trip to Europe. And the guy that's hosting the show goes over and practically makes out with her. And then you got a French waiter who's commenting on how your daughter has a sweet little ass and stuff like that. It's like, um, wow, that's creepy. Way to go, 80s. Way to go. <laughs> uh, but uh, other than that stuff aside, I mean, it was it's a VHS in my collection that it's OK for that. And, you know, one to pull out every now and then and be like, yeah, it has some legit funny parts in it. So, okay. yeah. 
I, I still think it's a funny movie. I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets. And next up. Pause, pause. Uh, Joni wants me to say goodnight to the boys real quick. So if you want to review the next one, you can. I'll, I'll be right back. Oh, no. You're going to have to hear it. glorious fuck was that noise <laughs> oh that was me meowing like a kitty to my kids oh. <laughs> yeah, you, my, my youngest super excited about super troopers too or <laughs> <laughs> my uh, youngest threw three cats at me as i was walking into the room and so i went oh yeah. meow, meow, meow. <laughs> daddy likes podcast over sons yeah <laughs> oh and as i walked in my son was praying and uh he was saying, and uh, Jesus, help help Daddy have a good podcast. I'm like, good God, that makes me feel terrible. <laughs> As I talk about barbed wire dolls. Oh, I, I don't even tell them that I'm doing a podcast. I don't want them to know yet. They can find out after I'm dead. Yes, tell them, like, wait I, a tell minute. Them, Daddy has a once a week meeting. Yes. <laughs> and, and he asked the, me, they asked me about it. Daddy, do you have a meeting tonight? Yes, son. I have a meeting tonight. Aw. <laughs> Like, thanks for the guilt. You are like your grandmother. I'm just very curious if my mic picked up my meow, meow, meow. Uh... Oh, trust me. We will know in the future. Okay. <laughs> okay. VHS. One more VHS, and then I will kick it back to you. And this is the VHS that I watched immediately after the next black and white movie that you are going to review, because I have waited 15 years to hear your review of it. Uh, and that is Highway to the Danger Zone. Top Gun. Right. Now, we often talk about different transfers and how they can improve a movie. Like, uh, you like your 80s horror slasher things all Blu-rayed up and super clean, and it makes a lesser movie better. Yes. And to that, I say that door swings both ways. Because we've talked about Top Gun far too many times for any <laughs> sane movie podcast to do. Heterosexual podcast, yes. <laughs> you say that even shaky. You're all shaking in your voice. It was like, oh, I swear we are. I promise. <laughs> uh, and I've always said that it's fine, but I, you know, I've i never, like, outright, like, this is a piece of shit movie. I just, eh, not for me. I enjoyed it way more on VHS than I ever have on DVD or anything else that I've watched it on. I, I liked this. This was great with the grain and everything and the grittiness. And, oh, God. I mean, I the, the shininess. We got to talk about the shininess. Why is everybody sweaty in every single scene in this movie? They're all oh, pouring dripping. sweat. Dripping with sweat. It doesn't matter if they're playing volleyball, in a bar, in their um, naval, like the super duper uptight naval uniforms, having a meeting with their commanding yeah. officer. Everybody's pouring sweat. I Why? Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My God. Oh. The first half the, of this movie, though, is legitimately uncomfortable. Like, I'm uncomfortable through the first half. 
Just like, oh, stop doing what you're doing. I want to crawl out of my skin. Just stop it. So do the dogs. Lauren's probably getting home. Shut up! I'm trying to talk about Top Gun. Kelly McGillis. Why are you in bathrooms? Lots of bath towels. Lots of high fives. Not just high fives. Double high fives. Every single one of them is a double. A pie down below. below. (laughs) All right. Now I'm going to go on a date after I've been sweating my ass off on a beach for... Oh, what is happening in this movie? The, the, The singing to her in the bar it's so yeah. creepy he's so creepy in the first half of this movie and then he gets emo for a while and yeah. then everything kind of works out uh, I will say the, the the flying around was cool even though they repeated a lot of shots which is annoying reused a lot of shots which is annoying to me but I gotta say I enjoyed it more this time than I think any time in the last 20 years so take it for what it is I I own Top Gun on VHS, and I watch it in high And if you listeners out there, if you think that we're done talking about Top Gun... Oh, oh no. Because Eugene's going to uh, talk about it next week, because now he's got to watch it. Oh, I'm seriously, I'm thinking, like, okay, so I have some movies that I'm wanting to watch, but boy, would that one be a good one again. I haven't watched that for a couple months. <laughs> yep. Maybe. Uh, two. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, did you catch the one line? Now, granted, you've got the VHS, and so the, the audio quality, I'm sure, is not as good either. But oh, there's, one, there's one time where they're all sitting having a meeting or whatever, and the, the two guys are sitting beside each other, and the one leans over to the other and says, this is giving me a, this is giving me a hard-on. And the other guy says, quit teasing me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So is oh, that yeah. just supposed to be kind of just two dudes be like, ha-ha? Or are they legit, like, they they like each other in the movie? Or I... You're not seriously asking me that question, are you? Because every dude in this movie likes dudes. This is a gay film. And I don't say that I don't say that in a negative context. I'm not using gay anyway except it's the way that it's meant to be used. But These Kelly, dudes Kelly are is in all there. into dudes. Uh. <laughs> except for the one guy they kill. Yes, that's right. Brother Goose. Take me to bed or lose me forever. Yep. <laughs> okay. Even when he's making out with Kelly McGillis, it's just like two people just smashing their faces <laughs> together. It's not, it's not <laughs> no, like it's trying so hard to be sexy and it's just like, oh, oh that my. scene, whenever they start licking each other, I'm like, oh my, like this, at one point that probably gave my, my young teenage self of you know, this is how little, sex is yeah this is this is how it really is and you know my tiny little you know like oh i'm i gonna have a wet dream tonight <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'm god steamy. i hope you're up for the intro this week because <laughs> that might be leading off the show okay uh, anyway enough of that why don't we get to why i watch top gun which yes. is the movie that i watched immediately before top gun And the polar opposite of Top Gun. Yes. Which would be 1954's Akira Kurosawa-directed Seven Samurai. At long last, like you said, I finally watched the movie on Blu-ray, and uh, which stemmed from my viewing of Rashomon, which was good. Uh, Good enough to where I'm like, I need to watch... I Now I officially need to watch more from this director. And so... I'm very nervous, by the way. I'm very nervous. I I bought you this... uh, A copy of this on DVD, Criterion. 
if you don't. Oh, I still have it. Yeah, okay. I still got that. Yeah. And and to speak to the quality of the DVD, it is now. I need to get the Blu-ray because the DVD Criterion puts on uh, uh, the ends of their DVDs. They put the number in which they release them. Mm-hmm. You know what the number is on Seven Samurai DVD? I'm guessing it's going to be probably teens, somewhere in the teens. Two. Oh wow! So, so that thing is old. It is old. I bought that when I lived in my first apartment. I first watched the full DVD version of it when I was 19. So we're we're talking 20 years. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Okay. Um. So I'm I'm not going to get too much into the actual storyline because this is an a this is an iconic story and that has been done. I mean, this is kind of a its own genre of you know the. The, the villagers or the city or whatever needs help and here comes these rogue or a rogue person or persons to save the day. Um, and I gotta say, I thought it was great. Uh, it, it did take me several sittings to watch because it is so long and it is not, while there are some truly breathtaking action scenes in the movie, it is not a, an action heavy movie. You have to get through lots of character development. And um, just lots of scenes of almost monotonous life in this village with the seven samurai that are training and uh, just living amongst them, preparing for what is to come with these uh, with the bandits that that show up every year or so to basically loot and rob the village. Hence, leaving these these people destitute. Um, but to the movie's credit, while there are some slow parts. The movie's three and a half hours long. Uh, it does make everything so much more impactful when when people die or just their plight, like what they're going through, and then the payoff uh, in the end and how it all comes together. It's like that. I can see why it's that long. I, I part of me wants to say there there could be stuff cut out of it, but that those slow scenes do add to the impact of the end, especially. And there's several battles that lead up to one final battle. That final battle in the rain is so good. It's so good. I watched it twice, actually. That end battle I watched twice. I liked it that much. Because I'm like, how did someone not die? Like, we're talking rain and mud and horses and close proximity to each other and just tons of people running, like, into each other. I'm like, this is not modern filmmaking here. This is the 50s where it's all real. Get in there um, and do it or you're fired. Yeah. I, so, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, very, way, way, way better than Rashomon. Uh, again, it's, I'm not sure if it's one that I can revisit often because of the runtime, but I split it up into a couple uh, evenings and there's even on my DVD, on my Blu-ray, there's a, uh, there's an intermission. Mine too. There's, yeah, so I'm like, oh, well, here we go. Here, intermission. There's my there's my stopping point. Um, but it just it was. I'm I'm rambling now. But no, I, no, no, no. You're fine. You're totally on track. You're doing great. I yeah. love all. I'm I'm eating all of this up. I I gave you that DVD in the first house that you lived in. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, I, I distinctly did. remember doing that. <laughs> and I still have it. I still own that awesome. thing. Um, I. Uh, I think that the two of the most iconic scenes for me is where the one uh, lead samurai, he's actually one of the guys that actually makes it out of the here alive. There's a lot of people that don't make it out of this movie alive, but the one he's got like really, really sh- like a buzz cut. Older guy. He's the, the main. The, the first one they picked up? Yes, the first one. When he like 
does his bow and arrow. Like he does it, like, just the way he pulls it back. It's so I know it's so odd, but I'm like I'm like it was so badass. I'm like he is whipping ass right now, and he, oh, it was great. And then the very 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 end of the movie where it honestly it ends on a real downer note, like you know with the the, the few remaining samurai saying, well, that kind of sucked. Yeah, basically they and won. Like, Though while the villagers are celebrating, they won. We didn't. We didn't. I'm like, woof, that's heavy. And But I kind of like that this is such a heavy story uh, th- that it kind of fit. But man, that... And the filmmaking, good God. Like, which I'm going to get into one more review after this one uh, to go along with this one. Uh, but this gets big thumbs up. And I'm actually looking forward to watching it again. It'll be a little while, but I'm going to watch this one again. And I have a feeling I'm going to probably appreciate it even more knowing what to expect in the movie. I agree. And my thoughts on it real quick, because it seems like every time that I watch it, I I take something new away from it. And going into it this time, I, one of the things I took away from it was I need to buy a Blu-ray because this DVD is looking a little rough. It's still very enjoyable because it's so classic in its look. And it still looks amazing, at least as far as a DVD can handle for, for it being such an early DVD. Uh, the, the other thing I took away is that I forgot how funny this movie is. And as, dep- like, I always think of it as being a heavy movie and depressing and whatever. And it is that there are parts of this movie that make me tear up. Uh, I can't remember how to, I'm going to mispronounce all the names, but Yoey, when he's like lost the rice that they're trying to get the samurai with, the faces that that guy can make physically it just despair. His face is despair. He was sleeping with the rice, trying to protect it, but somebody managed to get to it and take it. And the, his look is just... Mm, I remember that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> awful. But, and and you feel so bad for them at that moment, he starts picking up the handful of every kernel along the, you know, on the floor. Uh, and then later on, he makes that face again when he's getting chewed out by... Uh, the Joker samurai, Kuchino or whatever his name is. Uh, what's wrong with your face? Why do you look like that? Holler some more. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my gosh, this movie makes me laugh so freaking hard at certain points. I think the, uh, the, the reveals about the characters along the way, with him being the son of the farmer and yada yada, just all that stuff, it just every fucking beat just pays off every single time. Anytime that you think it's getting slow, it's like, yeah, it's getting slow, but I'm not bored. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then something interesting happens. The way that the samurai all come together in the beginning for that was cool. half of the movie. It just, it's entertaining to watch. The, when the, uh, the, the, the master samurai, the one that goes out and comes back with a gun and says, killed too. That was, he was great. That dude's so badass. So badass. And they do a great job with the guns along the way of making you come to absolutely hate them. And they actually cause the death of two of the samurai that you love the most. Yes, they do. Poor, the the poor Joker samurai that we love the most. Yeah, who, he would be. Dies bare ass up in the rain. Like, and (laughs) done. That's it. There's no... I, I appreciate that there's no gasping death scene where it's like, oh, hold me, or it was worth it as I my last bit of breath leaves me. No, he gets shot. He kills the guy that shot him. He falls down. It's over. And, and he was the he was the guy in Rashomon, right? Yes. 
Okay. And Throne of Blood. And Yojimbo, Sanjuro, Redbeard. He's, in, he's the main guy in a lot of them. Uh, the the first samurai that they pick up, the one that shaved his head to be a monk, to go in and get save the kid, which was an amazing scene. Great scene. He's the main guy, Nikuru. So he uses the same actors and moves them around in puzzle pieces. Oh, uh, uh, the Joker samurai's main guy in Hidden Fortress, too. Which cool. I would recommend next, and closing up this little bit of uh, the, the show... So where are you at? Are you going to are you going to watch uh, another one in the next week? Or are you going to wait a while? Or what do you? I watched I watched another one already. Oh, shit! Well, you're supposed to tell me so I could watch it. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. Um, okay, go ahead. Um, I watched Throne of Blood. Okay, that was third down my list of which ones oh. you should watch. Um, I actually think that on initial impression, I think that I enjoyed Throne of Blood even more than Seven Samurai. That's awesome. I'll, because I'll, I'll watch it this week. It, it that movie was great. Now I re, I borderline loved Seven Samurai. And I think that I'm going to come around to absolutely loving that movie. But this movie has a horror bent to it, and we've talked about this before about the uh, yes. that movie. Uh, Coco, uh, I forget. It's the one we talked about it before. Yes. Where you, you borrowed my my Blu-ray. So that's what this movie feels like. Where there's just it's otherworldly, completely, like, it doesn't feel like Earth. This feels like fantasy, fog everywhere, and there is this creepy witch lady in the woods, and then they, this conniving, innocent, but really creepy wife that is, that is pushing husband to continue on with things that he shouldn't be doing, getting him more and more, his comeuppance is his, Comeuppance is coming in this movie, but this is basically uh, Macbeth as told by Akira Kurosawa. But um, I think because of that slight horror bent is what made me like this. And a more reasonable runtime, right? This one was... Yes, hour and 50 minutes, and I was never bored. There was just crazy stuff going on most of the time. The conversations, everything about it was just off, but in the best way possible. Um, Man, this guy knows how to shoot fog. (laughs) <laughs> in a movie. This old school black and white and this fog rolls in. I'm like, I'm creeped out. Like this, this, their big fortress that they're living in. I'm like, that place doesn't look like a place that I would want to visit because I would probably get shot in the ass by 20 arrows. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I haven't watched this. is The one I've watched. Well, I don't want to say the least, but I've only watched that one once, I think. But I remember that. Yeah. There was the creepy witchy woman and she was giving the guy basically a, a, future prediction reading and saying, yep. you can do this or you can do this, but if you do this, you will be fucked. And he just kind of still goes and does whatever. Right. Yeah. Kind of yeah right? It's him and his buddy, uh, him and his yeah. buddy are back from battle and they meet up with this. And even that whole scene, like just in the middle of nowhere, kind of almost reminded me of like the witch where it should, this shouldn't be there. Like there, all of a sudden they come across this hut in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the woods. And, like that should not be there because the woods that they're in doesn't even seem it's just very otherworldly and now all of a sudden there's this obviously supernatural type force in this little hut that's giving them predictions and they're like oh haha we know that's you know you're a weird lady or you're a witch and we don't believe you whatever and obviously she is and bad things are going to happen but oof, these, that these was... movies just smack me upside the head because then at the end I have to remember when they were released. These things came out 
20 plus years before we were ever born. Yeah. And I'm, it's just amazing that people went to theaters and watched real to real films of these movies two decades before we were born. I don't know why that's weird or something. I just, yeah. it's something that I think about that, wow, people have lived and died enjoying these movies before I was ever born. <laughs> and I just, and this is one that I just literally just watched. I mean, I'm yeah. in my forties and, and I'm, I'm actually very excited to be discovering these movies. Now, I know that you've been telling me about his movies for, years and years and years and years but it is cool that I am finally coming around on them and watching them and can appreciate their significance to cinema because yeah. there is a huge significance to these movies I think even more so with Seven Samurai versus Throne of Blood uh, I I can see why that's more of the more iconic movie but for my personal taste Throne of Blood was ooh, that was that was good really good and the same way that I mentioned about European vacation, which is a horrible comparison, but my mental mindset of the internet not liking it at all, I never hear about Throne of Blood from people that are talking about Kurosawa films. Nobody ever, I, I don't, it's just kind of that there. I'm like, Oof. that movie rules. Yes, it does. Oh, it does. Man, the... So, do you think you're going to watch another one this week? Um, I'm hoping to. Uh, Hidden Fortress is the next one that I'm going to watch. We'll see how the week pans out, because just when I think that I've got time, then work creeps up on me and just wraps its talons in me, and I just I don't have the time. But I'm hoping to, because I'm kind of on a high after Throne of Blood and even uh, Seven Samurai. I'm like, that's such a good doubleheader. I'm like, that's, I have a feeling that Hidden Fortress will be equally good, if not even, I don't want to say better, but I have a feeling it's going to be right in line with those. With, it will uh, be. Those You'll two. enjoy it. It's in there. Yeah, for sure. sure. And now I've got a hard on because you're talking about. Hey, talk oh, see, the throne of blood. No, I'm. I love this. It's. It makes me endlessly happy to hear you, not checking out or not not being like I need to take a breather. You want? You're gonna keep watching. I'm gonna keep watching. If you do get around to Hidden Fortress this week, or you're gonna hit play on it, let me know, and I'll let you know. So I'll bump it up. Okay, but now, I'm definitely going to watch Throne of Blood this week. It was so good. It's just weird how I wasn't sure where my expectations were going to fall on this, but but very quickly with the fog rolling in and then we see the witch, I'm like, okay, this has a bit of horror going on. So immediately, and that just that black and white, we've talked about this before, that some of these older Japanese movies do that and it it's beautiful in the creepiest way possible. Oh yeah, I... I said before I'm not we are not much for classic cinema but when it comes to classic Japanese cinema I am in yeah unless it's I straight just, up drama <laughs> yeah I just I just the fact that it feels not of like in a different I, it's, I don't know just a fantasy world like even though there's not there was some supernatural stuff going on in here but it, it's just so different and almost off-putting how it, when you're watching this and it's like this, everybody seems to be, know that, that we're, they're surrounded by evil. I guess you could almost say like, yeah, it's so good anyway. Well, and the last one in your, in your Kurosawa, uh, Bender is going to be dreams, which is one of the last films he made it was made in like 1990. It's color. And it's a collection of short films. It's wonderful, but I don't want you to watch it until you have really educated yourself in Kurosawa. Uh, universe, which you're doing great. 
I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I got Yojimbo and Senjuro. Is that what it's called? Yes. I, I haven't seen so either I, of those, so that's... Okay. Those are going to be... The, those are the those are the last, the last ones. I want to get the three big ones that you've talked about and just that I have heard the most about out of the way. Cool. Who knows? I, you know, there, there's a good chance that Rashomon, I'll give that one a rewatch down the road. And I might actually appreciate that even a bit more now that I'm kind of immersing myself in these and really, really liking them. I might... It just because I, I guarantee I'm not. I, there's never a chance that I'm going to like the, that one there as much as these. But I might come around on it a little bit more even. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. Cool. Well, if you do, let me know because I'll rewatch it. That, that will give me the kick in the butt to get it done. Okay. Do you want to do another one? Um. I mean, we, we can't just close on all this classy shit. We got to talk. about I know. Some yeah. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> let's get back to the to the week old. Bag of Doritos. Um, a week old. This uh, shit's decades old. <laughs> and, it, and it's still crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crunchy. It just tastes like garbage. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't go in the basement, I guess. I'll quick review that. Um, what is that? That'll be uh, some movie from 1973. Uh, it's about a nurse that shows up at a, uh, a house for... Uh, can I say Looney Bin? <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, I mean, okay. Because it's, this is the 70s, and so she shows up at this mental asylum crazy house. <laughs> it would be great if that would be a rule for the show. Whatever movie we're talking about, the political correctness only applies to that decade. So, yes. yes. And, and so we're in the 70s, so it's all bets are off. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I showed up in a Looney Bin full of fags, and it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, this is Code Red, and. <laughs> God knows how much I paid for this. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's HD, but it's, you can tell that, that he got a film print of it from 1973 and plopped it onto Blu-ray because this is like what you saw in Grindhouse. It's that, but the real deal scratched up and completely ruined film. But it adds, honestly, it adds to the, I hate to even say charm because this movie is the farthest thing from charming. It's just crazy people in a house doing crazy things to each other. And then a nurse shows up and tries to fix things, but then doesn't. Um, there's a baby doll that a lady has that cry, she cries when the baby doll gets taken away by a general, an army general guy, I, I think, kind of, maybe. Uh, there's some dude that tries to rescue her. Some guy gets an axe in the back. A doctor does actually, but that's fine. Um, it's another story from my, my excited sister. <laughs> huh? What else happens? Uh, more film, uh, degraded film. Yeah. You don't have to explain that to me. I'm the VHS guy now on the show. Uh, so yeah. It, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think there might be, yeah, there's, uh, some, some awkward nudity for, from one of the crazies. And then now they're, the now they're crazies. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> and it ends with the nurse running out of the house in the rain. And I think another nurse might show up to keep the cycle going. And I don't even know what the movie's about. It's just <laughs> clearly. And neither do I. Yeah. yeah. It's just uh wackos in a house. <laughs> now they're <Dude>. wackos. <laughs> Go on. Um <laughs> <laughs> doing wacky things <laughs> and that's the review of what's the movie called again don't go in the basement uh, don't go in the basement what was in the basement uh, 
I don't think they went in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> they followed their own advice. Yeah, exactly. So it's brilliant. <laughs> Two stars. I'll keep it in the shelf. <laughs> I can't believe we're running two shows like this in a row. <laughs> and I'm actually glad that you put that that together because I didn't think about that. I'm like, oh, you're actually kind of right. Yeah, they, they took their own advice and she escapes. I'm out of here. I'm not going in there. Oh, first time for everything, I guess, in a horror movie. I mean, you're always screaming at the screen, don't go upstairs or don't go in there. And, and finally they did it. We'll name our movie that. Yeah. It's subtly brilliant. In the most completely shitty sort of way. <laughs> Perfect. It works. Yeah. It, it does what it's set out to do. It warns people <laughs> not to go in the basement, and they fucking don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm Eugene Weaver. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Movie Freaks. If you would like to get a hold of us, or drop us a line, or tell us you liked a review, or hated a review, or you disagree, or agree, or anything at all, you can get a hold of us at facebook.com backslash moviefreakspod. You can email us at moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. You can also follow us on the Twitter at Movie Freaks Pod. Thanks for listening.